If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome on Pentecost Sunday to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you pray with me? We are looking for big answers these days, Holy One. We are, after all, facing big problems. The trouble in the world seems so complex. Everything is tangled up, knotted in ways that seem impossible to straighten out. And yet, when we look for wisdom in the text, the Apostle Paul's advice only runs between five to ten words per sentence. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. It sounds simple, Holy One, and yet it isn't easy. We can't exactly claim to have consistently practiced these ways of being in the world, but perhaps that's why we need to stick with these one-liners before we try anything more complicated. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. May these words be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Holy One. May these words be the whispers we hear when we don't know what to say or do and we'll trust you with the rest. With humble hearts we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson this week comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter two, verses one through four. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. 
Here ends the reading inspired by our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Last week I noted that it feels like we're living in a dumpster fire. And the same could have been said for the disciples in the particular moment in this story. They are in a bad place. Just before the scripture we read for our sermon text, we find the disciples trying to fill a hole in their roster left by Judas. Two candidates are put forward. Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and someone named Matthias. We are told that their names were proposed, as in they did not self-nominate. So it doesn't exactly seem like they are eager volunteers. To decide between the two candidates, the disciples prayed, asking God to show them which one should be chosen. Apparently, God did not answer quickly enough, so they pull out some divine dice and roll for it. And they cast lots for them, the text says, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles, which doesn't make it sound like he won the lottery or anything. I mean, given what happened to Jesus, it's not totally surprising that the disciples were low on enthusiasm. These dudes are down in the dumps. Jesus was dead. Dreams of a new kingdom of justice appears to have been lost. To try to continue to live into the dream they had been investing in was dangerous. And would Rome come for them, too, as proclaimers of an alternative political leader? They are carrying trauma as well from the brutality they witnessed on Golgotha with the crucifixion. And if there had been some sightings and stirrings of the presence of Jesus, but at this point, they aren't really sure what to do next because nothing had gone the way the disciples had expected or had wanted them to go. But they do have good instincts, though, these disciples. They are all gathered in one place. They turned towards each other instead of against each other, which sometimes happens when the unexpected happens. Instead, the disciples gather instead of scattering. And, and maybe they knew to do this because Jesus had said at one point to them, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there also. What is also true, though, is that the disciples were Jewish, and they were very likely gathered in one place to observe Pentecost. The, the text just says it. They were gathered on the day of Pentecost, and Pentecost means the 50th day, coming 50 days after Passover, and it is the second of three great Jewish feasts. Originally a harvest festival, Reverend Dr. Joy Moore explains, the day was not connected to any historical event in Israel. Later, the day became known as the Feast of Weeks, and it was also used to commemorate the giving of the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. But from the record of the Torah, the events did not fall on the same day. It turns out that this holy day of Pentecost was simply a reminder for the community to offer thanks 
to the Creator covenanting God for a fruitful summer harvest. And all of that is to say, there was a lot going on for the disciples on this day. This, however, marks a turning point. After this day, things were different. Followers of Jesus began to seriously organize themselves and create a way of being in the world that wasn't status quo. The end of this chapter tells us that all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. And then the rest of the book of Acts is the rest of the book of Acts. More awe and wonder, prayer and community, more stories of what it looks like and feels like for a community to care for each other. So significant was this gathering on Pentecost that followers of Jesus would eventually claim it as the birthday of the church. So, happy birthday, church people! As we read this story, we wonder what exactly happened. I mean, we have the really fantastic scene. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of violent wind, and divided tongues of fire appeared above everyone's head, and all of a sudden people began to speak in the language as the Spirit gave them ability. There can be no doubt that something happened to those gathered that morning. Suddenly, they are no longer afraid. The disciples, turned apostles, are preaching and teaching at the top of their lungs with such clarity that people can understand the message in spite of language barriers. There is such a party, such a celebration, such an outpouring of joy that a crowd gathered because joy is contagious and it is inspiring. But that doesn't exactly tell us why what happened happened. I mean, I have no doubt that God was indeed in that place because they had gathered, but it seems to me that there's a really big gap between verses 1 and verses, verse 2. It's just one space, right? Just one press of the space bar, but, but the distance between those two verses is much bigger than that. This morning, I suggest to you that the reason the author of Acts doesn't say more about that, but just simply notes that the disciples were together on Pentecost was because he thought that that was a sufficient explanation and ancient audiences, of course, would have understood the holy day of Pentecost without additional explanation. They would have known about the focus on thanksgiving and gratitude. The author of Acts just didn't realize that we would be reading the story 2,000 years later, practicing a different faith tradition, but one that hasn't had a great history of recognizing and acknowledging its Jewish roots. So this is why we have to take the time to put this story in social and historical context. So we'll never know the exact conversations that were had on that day that happened between verse 1 and verse 2, but we can imagine that they may have been very much like those conversations that we have or should have on our holy days, conversations of 
thanksgiving and gratitude of counting our blessings. We don't really think of holy days as spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, but they absolutely are. To observe a religious holiday means that we engage it no matter what else is going on with the understanding that this is a time set apart, indeed intended to take us out of our regularly scheduled programming. And it seems like we do indeed need this more often than not. If one of the main points of Pentecost so long ago was to offer thanks, then this story becomes quite understandable. A holy day dedicated to gratitude? Well, we know what gratitude does to us. As researcher Brene Brown explains, there is overwhelming evidence that gratitude is good for us physically, emotionally, and mentally. It is correlated with better sleep, increased creativity, decreased entitlement and hostility and aggression, increased decision-making skills, decreased blood pressure, the list goes on. Gratitude is an emotion that reflects our deep appreciation for what we value, what brings meaning to our lives, and what makes us feel connected to others and ourselves. While gratitude is an emotion, if we want to experience its full power, we must also make it a practice. The research shows that despite the catchy phrase, an attitude of gratitude, gratitude is a practice. It's tangible. An attitude is a way of thinking, and a practice is a way of doing, trying, failing, and trying again. And this is why people describe keeping a gratitude journal, doing daily gratitude meditations or prayers, creating gratitude art, using gratitude check-ins with teams at work, even stopping during stressful, busy days to actually say the words out loud, I am grateful for... This is also how our holy days function for us many of which center on slowing down long enough to take a deep breath, look around, and find the awe and wonder that we've lost along the way. But we have to practice those holy days. The good news is we're already here, and showing up is 90% of things. So this morning, let us imagine writing this story about us, about whatever is going to happen today. After all, the day of Pentecost has come, and we are all together in one place. And now some of you may be wondering about whether or not it counts that you're online we are indeed separated from some of our community by hundreds, even thousands of miles. The author of Acts often refers to all believers being together, sometimes referring to physical proximity, but always, always underscoring the unity of community, that their hearts were all pulling in the same direction. This is us no matter the distance. This is how we are all together in one place. Our hearts are all 
pulling in the same direction. And on this Pentecost that we have gathered, we bring with us that same confusion and fear that the disciples carried with them so long ago. Some of us are very, very uncertain about what's next. We, too, are facing a series of events that look like defeat after defeat after defeat. But we have gathered to determine our next faithful steps. We have gathered to remember that we have made it through 100% of our bad days. We have gathered to count our blessings, to name them one by one. And we have gathered to get organized, to figure out how to feed each other, clothe each other, cover our neighbor's utility bill, to plan our pride parade celebrations, to comfort each other, to dry each other's tears. So today we are going to give thanks for everything we can think of. We are going to celebrate that we are still here. We are going to resolve to keep dreaming, keep working, keep praying, protesting, and loving each other. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.